Our second reading on this Sunday is the account of Jesus' baptism according to the Gospel of Matthew. Let us listen once more for God's word, hearing these verses from the third chapter of Matthew. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Now as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon is titled, A Different Way. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, send your spirit now that it might descend into this place that it might alight upon our souls and that through its work, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in your sight might be pleasing and glorifying to you for you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So in my six and a half years here, the baptismal font has sprung two leaks. The most recent was the day we moved into the social hall after our renovation began. We poured water in like we normally do during worship. And then right around communion time, someone spotted a puddle sort of spreading out from the base and scrambled to find towels to mop it all up. The first leak, though, was my personal favorite. We poured water into it like we do always. We were in the sanctuary still, and that time there was a bucket hidden inside under the font, and at first it seemed like everything was okay, and then as I sat there through worship, I began to hear the distinctive sounds of a leak. Drip, drip, drip. And by the end of that worship, the font was empty. It's almost too good of an image for a preacher to pass up, isn't it? Because who among us has not felt drained? Who among us has not felt at times spiritually empty? Right? Who among us has not said or at least thought something like, yeah, I know someone put water on my head, or at least someone told me someone put water on my head. And I remember someone told me that when they did that, they spoke words of God loving me and knowing me and claiming me, but, but I don't know. Right, ever since dad died, I, I don't know. 
ever since the, the affair, the disgrace became public, I, I don't know. Ever since the accident, ever since the, the mistake, one mistake, I don't know. Right on the one hand, this day each year, baptism of the Lord Sunday, it's this, this Sunday when we are simply reminded that we are loved. As one of the commentators put it, the story of Jesus' baptism is this incredible moment where the barriers between heaven and earth are broken, where human and holy merge where the Savior goes under just like the sinners and all are given the same title, beloved child of God. Right, this is a day that is set aside on one hand where the seal is patched, if only temporarily. And the water is poured again into the font and we are all invited to come to its edge much like the children this morning and dip our fingers in the cool water called grace upon grace. But there is another part to this story. The thing I notice this year in Matthew's reading in particular is the fact that Jesus is never the same after this moment. Right, This story, both in Matthew and in all the Gospels, it's this inflection point almost. Right before Jesus goes down into those waters, he has spent 30 years, a quiet existence in a little out-of-the-way town called Nazareth. Isn't it amazing to think about the fact that the Hebrew Bible covers thousands, tens of thousands, millions, billions, if you want to go to creation of time, right? And yet the New Testament and the Gospels in particular, they essentially tell the story of three years of a single man's In those three years, they begin in this story. Jesus goes into the waters, and when he comes out on the other side, he is thrust into this life of making God's love visible. It is from this point that Jesus goes out and he does everything we think about when we read the Gospels. He preaches and teaches and prays and heals and challenges and serves Until his death, it all begins here. It's part of the reason I love the image that Ada found for the front of our bulletin today. It invites us to imagine literally that first step after Jesus emerges from the River Jordan. It's almost as if you can see the last toe on his foot leaving the water. I never noticed this before. I've always imagined these stories of Jesus' baptism happening this way, where it's as he's coming up out of the water that the voice speaks from above, naming him as beloved. But when I went back and read this account again, it became clear that he was baptized, and it was as if as he was stepping out of the water, that a voice cries out from above, and the heavens open, and Jesus is named as beloved. Right? This is the moment. It is the announcement at his baptism that he is beloved that shows him a completely different way to live. 
The way he leaves those waters is different than the way he came in. So Fred Craddock tells a wonderful story about the Easter tradition at one of the first churches he ever served. A small little congregation halfway between Knoxville and Chattanooga on Watts Bar Lake. The tradition of this little church was they'd gather on Easter Sunday in the morning for worship in the sanctuary, but they'd always reconvene in the afternoon for a baptism service on the shores of the lake. So every Easter afternoon, a few members would show up early and they would build a fire and they'd construct a little booth where people could change clothes. And then all the new members would come and Fred would come and he'd wade out about waist deep on the sandbar. And one by one, those new members would come out into the water. And they practiced baptism by immersion and Fred would take them and he would immerse them in the water. And they would come up and he would send them back to the shore. One by one, they'd come out and he'd baptize them. And one by one, they'd go back towards the shore and they'd change into their dry clothes and they'd stand around the fire to warm themselves. One by one, Fred would do this every Easter until it was just him. And then he would walk across the bar and change his clothes and join the others by the fire. Now, the tradition of this church at that service was once everyone was baptized, the newly baptized would stay there around the fire and warm themselves while all the existing members of the church would form a circle around them. And every year, the same person, Fred says, Glenn Hickey, always Glenn, would introduce the new people. He'd say to the group, this is so-and-so, and they live here, and they They work there, and he'd go around and introduce them. And once all the newly baptized had been introduced, the the existing members in that circle would introduce themselves, but they introduced themselves in a very specific way. One by one, they would go around, and they would start, Hello, my name is, and if you ever need somebody to... One by one, every man, woman, and child, Hello, my name is, and... If you ever need somebody to chop wood, hello, my name is, and if you ever need somebody to sit with the sick, hello, my name is, and if you ever need somebody to do washing and ironing, my name is, and if you ever need somebody to lend you a car to get to town, one by one they go around and introduce themselves to the newly baptized by, in effect, living out their own baptism. My name is Beloved, and I can help you by. After everyone was introduced, they'd break bread and eat dinner there around the fire, and they'd have a square dance. And then every year at the appointed time, Fred never knew the time, but the same person every year did, Percy Miller, would stand up and put his thumbs in his overalls, he'd say. And he'd say to the group, time to go. And everyone would leave. One by one, they'd pick their things up and they'd head to their cars and they'd head home. 
In telling this story, Fred remembered the very first Easter baptism service he ever went to as the pastor of that church. When the last person had left, it was just him and Percy Miller standing there. And Fred was standing real still, just kind of in awe of the holy that had been present that night. And Fred, with his thumbs and his overalls, he said, uh, or Percy rather, said to Fred, Craddock, folks just don't get any closer than this. Baptism shows us a completely different way to live, right? The world so often it leads into things like anger and retribution and, and, and greed and, and worrying about ourselves. But when we have been named and claimed through no doing of our own and oftentimes in spite of ourselves, how can our response be anything but? Hi there, my name is, and if you ever need somebody. Right, it's an interesting experiment to place ourselves in that circle by Watts Bar Lake, Tennessee. If we were the ones introducing ourselves, what is it that we would say? Hi, my name is Alan, and if you ever need anybody to... I think it's an interesting experiment, too, to think about it from the perspective of a church. If we as a church were standing there around that circle, what is it that we would say? I think that's one of the great things ahead of us in this year, is for us as a church to, to determine who it is we are. What is it that we are placed in this community to do? Hi, we're St. Simon's Presbyterian. And if you ever need anybody to, what is it that we would say? Because you just don't get any closer than when you're in the midst of a group of people who have stepped out of these waters and into a life bent on making God's love visible. Whose rituals, whose actions, whose words all reflect a commitment to modeling the grace and the sacrificial living of Jesus Christ. What is it that we would say? You know, it's interesting because I kind of struggled with what to say in this sermon. This is one of the sermons I classify as a Saturday morning sermon, which means I spent all Friday, which is my writing day, staring at a screen, and I had just about as little when I went to bed as I did when I woke up. But the thing that changed it for me was the thought of that leaky font. Because you know what occurred to me? What occurred to me is that though I have seen this font run empty in worship, I've never seen that font run dry. Like God's love, there has always been at least a drop clinging to the glass. Just a few drops that remain behind to remind me, to remind us of our name. Just a few drops to give me a 
give you courage. As soon as I started thinking about that thought, that never runs dry, I realized, you know, there's really nothing more to say than that. God's love never runs dry. What more could we possibly say?